So Colossians 1, 15 to 23. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers all rulers, all authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed with the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven for which I, Paul, have become a servant. Thanks, Sally. So this is part two of this series, why the church needs to physically meet. Um, and part two, we are, we are bodily saved. Uh, I'm gonna try and be shorter. Uh, I've noticed that sermons have got longer and longer again, and I kind of apologise for that. Um, it, it's just um, it, there's something innate um, in me. Once you've been preaching for a while, that all the sermons tend to get to get to being roughly the same length, however hard you try. So you'll notice I've, I've made really I've made powerpoints with really big letters on it, um, so that you get fewer letters on a page and, and fewer points on a page, and it's the same number of powerpoints. So you know. Hopefully it's shorter, but hey, we'll find out. Um, it's nice to see all your pictures. I can see you all up on the screen uh, as I'm preaching. I hope you've got at least a little, I believe, um, I hope you've got at least a little picture of me down the, down the bottom corner uh, so we can see what's going on. Oh, can I just welcome Marie? I didn't see you there earlier on. So Marie is with us all, all the way from Oz. That's amazing. Lovely to see you. I hope you get a chance, hope you get a chance to talk to a few people later on. Um, I, I shall try and sort out the breakout groups so Marie can uh, talk some things. Does it matter whether we meet physically? That's the question we've been asking ourselves. Um, so the doors of the church are being kind of forcibly shut. The government has told us to shut them, uh, but by the impulse of the Holy Spirit, here we are um, meeting together uh, this Sunday morning uh, on Zoom. But it would be all too easy to think that Zoom is, is kind of the new normal and actually Zoom is, is adequate and not see 
the need for a, a, a real physical meeting. Um, or equally, it would be quite easy to get Zoom fatigue as the novelty's worn off. And I see that for the first time, we're, we're kind of we're down a few uh, this morning. It's all, uh, all too easy uh, when you think we're virtually meeting that it's a cheap thing and it maybe it doesn't matter or not. Um, so the rub is that um, for the moment and the decisions we're making at church, we can meet together. Um, this is the best way of getting the most people together um, on the same platform in one go. And I just want to bless you again and thank you for being here. It's a fantastic commitment to being church, being um, the body of Christ. Um, and at the moment, it seems to me we can be, it seems to us as elders, that we can be more together um, on Zoom than we can be in real life. Um, because we can only get so many people in the church. That's uh, an equation that will change as we go on, I'm sure, but um, at the moment that's where we are. Does it matter whether we meet or not? Well, of course it does. The, um, the writer to Hebrews says, let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Uh, uh, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but in encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Meeting together is our most basic form of encouraging one another. That's the context the writer the Hebrews puts it in. Um, does it matter that we meet together? Yes, because it's our basic encouragement. Because we are church, we saw that last week. Um, does it matter whether we, whether we meet together again physically or could we do this um, forever? Well, it does matter that we meet physically. As we saw last week, because, we're, uh, because we are physical people, we have physical bodies, um, and our means of communication are, are limited uh, uh, digitally. But also the second reason, because Jesus came um, bodily um, to save us. Jesus came into, in a body to save us. Uh, and that must mean um, that the body and what we do bodily is important. And also, as we discover um, today, Jesus gave us a physical sacrament in the Lord's Supper, a physical sacrament to to express our, our unity. Uh, and so physical meeting is important. Why should we meet at all? Just to go uh, back a little bit. Um, well, here's 1 Corinthians 12. Um, this is what I discovered and what I talked about with the kids a, a moment ago. Um, just as the body, though one has many parts, just as your body has lots of parts, uh, but it's only one body, so it is with Christ. Uh, for we're all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. We are one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and um, we're all given one spirit to drink. And so the body's not made up of, of one part, um, but many. The Holy Spirit, um, you know this, um, makes us one. Uh, he binds us together. He makes us one body. But at the same time, he gives us lots of different gifts. Um, so that we only function um, as a church um, when we can all function. Uh, the problem with Zoom is you get one person at a time. We can only function as a church when all the gifts um, function together. So we have to work together, we have to meet together so that different gifts um, can be used uh, for, the, for the common good. But back to why we need to meet bodily. We need to meet bodily because ours is a bodily salvation. Um, God the Son took on a body so that our bodies might be saved um, and, and not just our souls. So um, John, John puts it like this. 
um, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son um, who came from the father, um, full of grace and truth. So I'm just putting that picture back up so I can see you again. It is nicer to see you. Um, and John says something similar again in his first letter. That which was from the beginning, in other words, Jesus, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim. So he says we, we've seen Jesus. He, he came as a human being. We saw him. Uh, we, we touched him. Uh, we heard him. Uh, we, we looked at him. It was necessary for our salvation, for the salvation of our body and soul, that Jesus had a body. So Jesus came bodily, that's obvious, isn't it? Um, he lived bodily, I guess that's obvious too. Uh, so Jesus lived uh, a normal human life. Um, he got tired. Um, remember by the well, um, when he met the woman who'd been married five times, he was tired. It said from the journey, he sat down by the well. Uh, he got hungry, and certainly in the wilderness when he was being tempted. Uh, he got hungry like you and I do. Um, he worked a trade. Yeah, he was known as the carpenter's son, but he was also, um, he was known as the carpenter. Um, he worked a trade, um, and he went. Went to the graveside of his friend, um, Lazarus. Jesus, Jesus lived bodily. And we need to remember this. Um, and he did this for two reasons. Um, sorry. He did this for two reasons. Um, and Hebrews said this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who, who has, holds the power of death, that is the devil. So in other words, Jesus had to have a body um, so that he could break the power of the, de of the devil. And for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. So Jesus had to come as a human being. He had to come in a, in a body for two reasons. Um, one, so that he could pay the price for all the wrong stuff we do in the body. Um, and secondly, um, so that he could be a, a proper high priest for us. We need a priest who understands all these kind of things we go through. We get tired and irritable. Um, we, we get hungry. Um, we work and it's hard work. And we weep. And, and Jesus not only dies for when we did all those things but got them wrong, um, he understands from being human what it's like. Jesus came bodily, he lived bodily. I know this is obvious. Um, Jesus died bodily. It's worth coming back every so often, isn't it, to, to the story of the cross. And let me just read you a, a little bit of it. Soldiers led Jesus away to the palace. That is the praetorium. This is from Mark's Gospel. And called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him and they began to call out hail king of the jews and again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him falling on their knees they paid homage to him and when they mocked him they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him and then they led him out to crucify him so the man from cyrene simon father of alexander and rufus was passing by on his way in from the country uh, and they forced him to carry the cross brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he wouldn't take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lot 
to see what each would get. It's nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard this, they ran, uh, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. He said, and with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the, was the son of God. Jesus died bodily because, um, because a, a bodily death is, is the payment for bodily sins, sins committed in the body. So Jesus dies bodily on a cross because that is the payment for the kind of things you and I do in our bodies. Peter says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. By Jesus' wounds, bodily wounds, yes, you have been healed, you have been uh, forgiven. Jesus was raised bodily. Uh, we'll see more about this next week. But Peter could stand up on the day of Pentecost and say, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of it. He's talking about himself and uh, the other disciples who were there um, gathered around it. The body was really gone. And they could say um, they'd seen Jesus bodily alive again, eating, eating and drinking. And so Paul can say, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised for Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. In other words, because Jesus uh, died, um, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead works in you to bring life um, to your mortal bodies. We need to... We need the spirit of Christ. We need to be more like Jesus. We don't achieve that unless the spirit um, gives life to our mortal bodies. And Jesus did all those things. He, he came bodily. Um, he lived bodily. Uh, he died bodily. He was raised bodily so that everything um, can be reconciled to God. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You read this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, think about this, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now there's a great promise. Why not read that again this afternoon? God has reconciled you um, to him. How did he do it? Through Christ's physical body and the, and the blood 
shed on the cross. We can be reconciled. We go through the cross and um, Paul says there, so will everything else. So will um, all the rest of creation. Except. Except those who don't trust Christ. There's this massive promise here, isn't it? God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, whether they're spiritual, whether they're physical. Um, God is trying to reconcile to himself all things, all of creation, except those who refuse Christ. And so I just want to put a plea out to you this morning. Uh, be reconciled. It, be reconciled to God. If that's not you and you can't say that, and I'm looking at all of you, I know you can't see me. Uh, but please, um, this morning, be be reconciled to God through through Jesus' physical body. I don't know what, don't know what lockdown's done to you, but it's brought to me a new a, a new whole conviction of sin. I look at my Christian life and think, do I, do I really know actually Jesus at all? Do I really know Jesus? that well but when when did you last see the Lord working in your life really how well do you really know Jesus are you are you really are, are you really reconciled to, to him because there is this scary scripture which which came to my mind this morning um, that Jesus says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, that's a scary thought. I'm sitting here looking at you this morning. Um, what, a, what a horror um, to, to stand when, when Christ returns. I, I'm, I'm fine. Some of, some of you uh, standing for Jesus uh, and saying, uh, not like these people did, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and drive our demons, but saying, oh, I was there. I was at Stains Kong. I was... Um, uh, I played in the music group, you know, I welcomed on the door, uh, I, I served as a deacon. Um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It has to be that this changed life, the Spirit has to have worked in our bodies to change our lives, and I say that with grief, at how unchanged I sometimes am. But how about you? Please be reconciled this morning. And because of this physical act that Jesus has done, um, we, we're given two physical things to do um, as Christians. Um, two physical sacraments or ordinances. And, and there are only two um, for the evangelical Christian. They are um, baptism and, and they are uh, communion or the Lord's Supper. Um, baptism signifies the washing that comes when we die to our old life and we're re reborn in Christ. So it's, uh, it's the sacrament of conversion. Um, when you become a Christian, you should get baptised. Um, so hey, all you folks out there um, who are Christians or call yourself Christians and aren't baptised, um, come on, um, send me an email. Um, let's get this organised. Uh, we may not be able to do it for a while, but let's at least put it in the diary. Um, it's the sacrament of becoming a Christian. It's a, it's a physical outward sign 
and, and you do it, and when you do it, God strengthens you in the thing that you've done. So, so when you come to baptism, um, the Lord will give you grace and a blessing um, uh, in, your, in your new life in Christ. Um, and the second one, he's, he's given us um, communion. And, and Paul says this, um, it's not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ. And it's not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share in the one loaf. So communion is, is the sacrament of unity. And it's the sacrament of participation in Christ. So baptism is the once for all, the initiation. Communion is the ongoing. Yes, I'm a Christian um, and I'm, uh, I'm united with Christ as part of, of his church. So communion, that's a simple thing, a simplified meal of bread and wine to, to show that we're one body in Christ. And, and as it's a sacrament, God strengthens us um, when we do it. And one of the fascinating things about lockdown is that um, it's kind of caused a, a rush of, uh, of theological thinking as, as Christians decide whether we can do um, communion over Zoom or not. And I side lightly with those people who say this is a sacrament of unity, it is a physical thing, it's an expression of our oneness in Christ, expressed by participation um, in the one love. Um, and therefore, I don't think we can, uh, I don't think we can do um, communion over Zoom. There are people who are doing it, I, I know that and I appreciate that. Um, but I think this is a sacrament, it is the sacrament of unity. Um, and, and, it, and it's, a, it's a sacraments are physical expressions uh, of spiritual realities. Um, and I think that therefore they, they, have to be, they have to be physically done. Um, so we're, we're not like some, uh, some other denominations. I guess if you were Catholic or, or, or Orthodox, you would feel like the important thing was that I, I get to communion and, and I get to receive um, the sacrament um, from the priest, and that will give me a blessing. That, that's not our understanding. A sacrament doesn't convey a, an automatic blessing on you. If you come to it without faith, or if you come to it, actually if you come to it ignoring your brothers and sisters in Christ, not in unity with them, actually it confers a curse on you. Um, so there's no automatic blessing coming from the sacrament. I, I think it's it probably... Um, not appropriate to take it at home unless we get to a point where we say this can't be done and we're on Zoom for the next um, 12 months, 18 months, which uh, God willing um, we, we won't be. So communion is, is, the, um, is the sacrament of, of unity. Uh, you can't administer it to yourself. It has to really be administered in the, um, in the context of the church. And that's why we decided on balance better not to do it over Zoom. Because I, I, and for another reason is because otherwise, what are we hungering for? We have to be hungry to be getting back together again. And I think uh, for that reason, we, we hunger to get back to communion. So for that reason, August the 2nd, we are going to do communion as our first um, physical service together. Because communion is our sacrament of, of unity and being, being the body of Christ. So I would... Uh, let me say a couple of things. I, uh, 
I urge you to be there if you can and if it's safe for you to be there. So to express your unity in Christ, that would be the first thing, if you can. Um, second thing that we need to say is um, if you're over 70, there is a risk. Um, and the government recognises that risk and wants you to be warned of that risk. Consider yourself warned. Um, again, if, you, if you're shielding, there is a risk. And we understand um, that there is a risk and that if you consider the risk too high, you might not want to come. So I'd say both those things. I urge you to come if you can. Um, but if you uh, feel that it is too risky for whatever reason, um, please uh, consider those risks carefully um, and act upon them. But as Christians, ideally, we would physically meet because we are the body of Christ. We're reconciled through his uh, physical body and we're reconciled in our physical bodies and we're strengthened as we eat his body and drink his blood, the sacrament he has, he has put before us. Father God, lots to think about, and at the heart of it, we thank you that at the heart of our salvation, um, there is Jesus um, going bodily to the cross and by uh, his physical body dying, presenting himself as, as a holy, unblemished sacrifice so that when we trust in him, we can be presented before you as holy and unblemished living sacrifices Lord it, it is a tremendous thing we ask you to write it on our hearts in you and Lord we pray open the doors open the doors for us to be able to meet together physically and properly as church and Lord we will meet together uh, Lord if it's your will um, on August the 2nd um, but Lord, we recognise it won't be appropriate for some to meet, and, and that grieves our hearts. But just as a kind of symbol that we are church, we are bodily saved, and we recognise the need, we will, some of us, meet together physically to take communion. We pray this week, strengthen us. Um, if we're doubtful about our reconciliation, speak to us afresh about what we need to do, speak to our hearts. Lord, if we need to come to baptism, speak to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.